I love to start every message off with a couple of jokes. Sometimes they're good, sometimes they're not. You decide. Yes. Want to hear a joke about paper? Never mind. It's terrible. Terror. It's terrible. Got it? <laughs> My daughter screeched. Ariel, listen up. <laughs> Dad, you haven't listened to a word I said, have you? What a strange way to start a conversation with me. Right? Uh, oh, one more, okay? If those weren't great. A friend of mine tried to annoy me with bird puns, but I soon realized two can play at that game. Two can. Come back next week. We're going to finish this book this year, guys. This will be so good. Well, my name is Neil. I'm the pastor of City Church, and I was uh, talking with somebody last week that reminded me that I used to be in bands. I totally forgot all about this section of my life. Um, they were saying that on their very first date night was they went to a band. Of, it was a horrible first date. And now they're married, so that's pretty cool. Maybe something happened. I was in a band called Sell Your Dog. Sell Your Dog. If you spell it backwards, it says God Rules. Ah. I was also in a band called Midas, which is spelled, uh, sorry, I was in a band called Sad I Am, which is Midas spelled backwards. I don't know why. And uh, one band that, that kind of ended my career was Kill Joy. <laughs> Killjoy, that was the end of my career. Uh, from 14 to about 25, I was in bands, a lot of different bandmates, and you know we would start each song very slow, and, and I was the singer and guitar player, and each song was really sweet and slow, and then we'd scream at you to end the song. Every song was that way, <laughs> super slow, bring you in, like, you're going to like this. No, you're not! <laughs> So angry at you. <laughs> this is our bands over the years. And uh, throughout that time, I just realized that you know, I just had this natural love for music. I just love music. I love to play music. Um, started learning a bunch of instruments, learning the keyboard, learning the drums, the guitar, loved singing. And I just didn't know what to do with it. No, because like God gave me this gift of music and rhythm, and it, 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 you know I would use it for, for the bands and stuff like that, and it was always super fun. And I think that's how God designs each one of us. We're all designed with a special gift. Maybe people are just naturally drawn to you, and you're like, I, I didn't even ask for people to like me, and they're just naturally drawn to you. It's a gift of God. Maybe you find yourself at the kids' table on Easter, and you're like, I love it here. <laughs> That's me. I love being at the kids' table. But it's just a gift that God gave you. Maybe you just love like organizing things and seeing people come together for a common good, seeing a bunch of volunteers do a great mission, like work on the river and, and set up sandbags, and like it just like brings so much joy to you. That's a gift that the Lord's given you. God equips us with all these gifts and talents. 
And then he invites us into using them for his glory. And we're going to be reading today Nehemiah 7, where Nehemiah knows exactly this is how God works, that he gives each person gifts, and then Nehemiah is going to release people into the gifts that God's given them. You're going to see how this plays out in this book. I want to give a little prelude where Nehemiah is drawn from his job as the cupbearer for the king, and he's drawn to this city that is in ruin. The Babylonians have come and completely destroyed the entire city, and his heart breaks for the city, and so he leaves his job, and he goes to the city to work on it. And it's been a long process. He's been fighting through a lot of people, a lot of haters throughout this time, a lot of people saying negative things about him, but he keeps going, he keeps going. We finally are at the point where the walls are built to protect the city so that people could actually gather there and worship God in the temple together. The walls are finally built, and the gates are going to be installed, and the city's going to be protected. And this is where we're picking it up in Nehemiah 7. Nehemiah 7, 1. I'm going to go ahead and pray. Would you guys just pray with me? And um, let's just read. Lord, we thank you so much for your word today, that it's alive, it's living, it's relevant to our life. So Lord, I just uh, pray for each one of us in this room as we just open up our hearts, as we say, you know, we do want to hear from you. We We got time. We set aside this time. So Lord, I just pray that you would just speak directly to each one of us in this room. Do what only you can do. Lord, just choose to get out of your way. Would you speak directly to your kids? Would you use the words that come out of my mouth? Would they bring you glory and honor? And we open up our hearts. Speak, God. Speak, Lord. We want to know you more. In Jesus' name, amen. After the wall had been rebuilt and I had set the doors in place, the gatekeepers, the musicians, and the Levites were appointed. I put in charge of Jerusalem my brother Hanani, along with Hananiah, the commander of the citadel, because he was trustworthy and feared God more than most people do. I just want to stop there for a second. So Hanani was actually the same person that came to Nehemiah when he was the cupbearer for the king in the very beginning of this book and said, Nehemiah, the town is a disaster. It's devastated. He was the one that came to him and said, we need to do something about this. Nehemiah prayed for three or four months and then goes and starts the project of rebuilding the walls. And what I see in that is this. It says that I put in charge my brother Hanani, who has been faithful to the call from the very beginning. It, <laughs> so many times we, we look at life and we look at uh, what God wants to use us in as these different giftings that maybe we don't have as opposed to looking at the giftings that he has given us and thinking about how we could just be faithful with what God already has given us. Does that make sense? So like Hananiah, he's just been faithful to be a part of the entire process. The entire time, he's been there with Nehemiah. And so Nehemiah's like, okay, so who should I put in charge of this entire city? Oh, this guy who's been faithful. It doesn't say that he was the best speaker. It doesn't say he was the tallest person, had the best hair, right? It says that he was just a part of this because he was faithful and he feared God. 
Never discount what God can do with a faithful heart. We always like try to compare ourselves with other things and other people, but God just calls you to be faithful to how he's created you. And he can use you if you're faithful. Hananiah is in charge with Hananiah simply because they were trustworthy and they feared God more than most people do. I love that. So it's not like their life is completely perfect. They just feared God a little more than the other people. Just a little more. I said to them, the gates of Jerusalem are not to be opened until the sun is hot. While the gatekeepers are still on duty, have them shut the doors and the bar and bar them. Also appoint residents of Jerusalem as guards, some at their posts and some near their own houses. Now the city was large and spacious, but there were few people in it, and the houses had not been rebuilt yet. So my God put it on my heart and assembled the nobles and the officials and the common people to register them by family. So it's not necessarily Nehemiah's goal. It wasn't Nehemiah's thought. It wasn't his plan. God put something on Nehemiah's heart, and Nehemiah follows God as he has been this entire time. Nehemiah assembles everybody together, and he says, what we're going to do is we're going to bring people in by families. I found a genealogical record of those who had been the first to return, and this is what I found written there. These are the people of the providence who came from captivity of the exiles from Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, had taken captive. They returned to Jerusalem and Judah, each to his own, each to his own town, in the company of Zerubbabel, Joshua, Nehemiah, Azariah, Rehemiah, Nehemiah, Mordecai, Bilshan, Mespereth, Biggie, <laughs> Nahum. Bena. Okay. Gotta throw in Biggie. So everybody's returning. They've all been in exile, okay? The Babylonians come into the town. They completely destroy the place. And then they are captive in Babylon. And now everybody's returning. And so as they're returning for the rest of the chapter, it's just all these numbers of people returning. It's not only like them returning, they're coming in, they walk through the gate and like, Oh, we have this beautiful city. The city is still in ruins. They just have walls around it now. Everybody gets to return. It's, uh, let's say, it's about 43,000 people. So the city of Moline, let's say the city of Moline has to go into exile to Davenport. <laughs> Poor guys. <laughs> Whatever. Uh, and they're released to go back to Moline. It's like 43,000 people heading back to Moline, crossing the bridges. Imagine that, this joyous occasion. Yay, we get to be Moline Marooners again. <laughs> Moline Marooners, that is what they are. That's their, that's their team logo. Uh, so God had already appointed a bunch of people as they're coming back to different tasks. Nehemiah doesn't have to reinvent the wheel. The different families that are appointed, the 43,000 people, they each have a specific purpose and goal. So as they come in the gates, Nehemiah is giving them out goals. He collects all the nobles together to, to distribute the goals and the plans that God has for them. There were priests. 
There were Levites who would assist the priests. And then there was musicians. The, the Mayer family came back. The Hendricks family was there. <laughs> then there was the singers. They, you know, were, they had the gift of singing. The Jacksons all came back to the town. There was temple servants. There was gatekeepers. And then there was supporting helpers. And everybody came back to work for the common goal of rebuild the city. So you can see Nehemiah gives a goal and a purpose for each person that walks in the doors. What I love about this is Nehemiah doesn't get this all done and then start running around like a chicken with his head cut off. He actually brings in people on the process. It's not like, oh, this is going to be so much work. I got all these gates to watch now. Uh, What are we going to do? Like Nehemiah starts handing out and distributing roles to people. He knows that this is the best way for a city to come back, a community to be restored, is each person has buy-in. They all have a role to play. Notice the timing of this, because before they could go back to their homes and start working on their home project, Nehemiah gave them roles. And I think that's the kind of opposite in our culture You know, let's get everything together. Let's get everything situated. So before they could get internet installed and Netflix and Hulu going, they had a role to play in the city. Before they got cozy, they got a role to play. Everybody got to play. I can't help but think of Jesus and the disciples. Jesus calls 12 guys and gives them each a role to play. It's not that they just follow Jesus around. They all had a role to play in the disciple. As a disciple of Jesus, every single one of them had a role to play. Judas was in charge of the money. Maybe not the best role for Judas. Jesus knew what he was doing. (laughs) This happens in the church, too. We all have a role. The church's role is making disciples And making disciples is to create an environment in which people can grow in their walk with Jesus and receive training on how to love and walk alongside other Christ followers. The church has a role, and all of us get to play a part in it. It's not up to three people to make everything happen around here. Thank God. The church was never really a place designed to come and be served. The church was a place designed for people to become the part of the body, that we all have a role, that some of us are feet, some of us are hands, some of us are arms, none of us are armpits. (laughs) That God's called us, he's given each one of us a different passion and a desire, and he's given you different gifts and talents. When we started City Church, I just dreamed of prodigal sons and daughters coming in the door and finding a place to call home that they could invest their life into alongside us. The task is too big for one or two people. It's a church, it's a body, it's a community. God's given each one of us in this room these different gifts. He's called some of us as pastors. Maybe you just have a heart to just love people right where they're at. You're always picking up the phone with hurting people. God's probably given you a pastoral heart 
For some of us, we just can't help but inviting people to church or inviting them to know Jesus or to know more about the Bible. God, maybe it's given you an evangelistic heart. For some of you, you love organizing things and seeing people work together for a common good. God maybe has given you the apostle heart. For some of you, you just love praying for people. You love praying for our church. You pray when nobody sees it. God maybe has given you a prophet heart. Some of you, you open up the Bible and you're like, man, oh, you know what? Someone so needs to hear this. Like, God, you're revealing all these things to you. Maybe the Lord's given you a teacher heart. And for some of us, you know, we just love to help. We get the stuff done. Lord's probably given you a heart of helps. And for some of us in the room, we love writing big checks and supporting the ministry. Maybe God's given you a giver's heart. It just brings you joy to give things away. This is how God designed his church. We all have a gate to watch. We're a church that everybody gets to play. Every single person gets to play. Just as Nehemiah had a funky crew, a lot of people just coming back, they just came out of exile. They didn't have everything figured out, guys. Their house wasn't even in order most of the time. Nehemiah's starting to distribute roles and give away roles. We all have a place to play. So it wasn't until I started playing uh, worship music that I realized what God had done in my heart. It really wasn't. I, I loved playing music. I loved practice. I loved playing with bands and stuff, and I loved screaming at people. It was great. <laughs> Get out all your frustration. But it wasn't until um, I started playing worship music, and I didn't really know the piano at all, but I would sit downstairs, and I'd play, um, I'm coming back to the heart of worship, and it's all about you, it's all about you, Jesus. And, and I would just be downstairs just weeping, just crying over that song because I had like used music in so many different areas of my life. And my parents were like upstairs watching Jeopardy and I'm down there just playing my heart out. <laughs> Coming back to you, Jesus. I thought music was to bring me fame, but the more I released it to God, it was the more that I realized it was to bring Jesus fame. He actually took my little talent. <laughs> it's little. <laughs> he took my little talent, and when I surrendered it over to him, he just increased it by at least 4%. <laughs> At, at least. <laughs> Unbelievable. <laughs> but the more I was faithful with what he had given me, the more he increased it. You know, just the more I was faithful with, okay, this is what you gave me. And so, like, words started churning, started changing. A lot of people would come up, you know, after a show and say, I just love your voice. Okay. Not a lot. Some people would come up after a show and say, I just love your voice. It's like, yeah, thanks. 
we got to go to the green room. <laughs> so they'd say this, and, and I'd take it, you know, like whatever. But it, words started changing, and people started saying, when you sing, I sense the presence of God. And that was the difference for me. That was the difference where, where God is glorified through the gift that he gave me, the little gift he gave me, and then he just glorifies himself through it. Like, I actually got to be, get out of the way. Just let God be glorified. And a lot of times when people would say that, I didn't know what to do with it, so I would just say, like, praise God. You know, like, praise God. And that's how he's designed each one of us, guys. As we surrender over the gifts and the talents that he's given us, the role that we get to play in, we just get to bring glory to God in all of it. And we get to just say, praise God. Like, yeah, I'm just being a vessel. I'm just being faithful to what he's called me into. This is what he's given me. You know, uh, I, I have a smile and I can stand at the front door and people feel welcomed when they come in the church. Like, maybe a hospitality team is a way that you can just praise God. Maybe you do have gifts of music and, and, and you just love playing instruments and love singing and you're good at it because <laughs> those are important things. <laughs> uh, maybe worship team is a great fit for you to just be able to say, you know what, God, I'm just going to surrender my gifts and talents. Just invite you into that. Like, use me however you want. Maybe you have a great eye and ear and you'd want to be on our um, our um, sound and media team. Give it up for our sound and media team. (laughs) Making all the things happen. Maybe you can... (laughs) Yeah, so like the only people that recognize sound and media team is when it's not working, right? And so maybe you have some tough skin, you know? (laughs) You can take... (laughs) No, but maybe that's you. Like, we'd love to have you on our sound and media team. Maybe you just love praying for people. You just, you love, like, just praying for people, being there right in the middle of their hurt. They're our prayer team. Maybe you just love kids. I got news for you, church. We should all love kids. We should all love kids. They're not the church of tomorrow. They're the church of today. Yeah. So maybe that's you. You just love to teach kids. How awesome is it to tell a kid about Jesus for the first time? Our kids and city kids are learning that Jesus loves them and that he talks to them, that he has plans for their life. I don't know. Who doesn't want to be a part of that? Could you imagine knowing that at five years old? How different life would be to know that you can reach out and talk to Jesus? Maybe you love kids. We'd love to have you on our kids' team. Everybody gets to play. We all have a role to play. We all have a gate to watch. Nehemiah knew this. Jesus knew this. The Huffington Post knows this, okay? The Huffington Post knows this, that helping others will actually make you feel great. Who wants to feel great? (laughs) You'll have stronger friendships. You'll become more of a glass half full type person. Helping others will actually make you feel like you can take on the world. It'll make you feel like you have a sense of belonging in life. 
that helping others will actually give you an inner peace. It'll make you feel thankful. It gives you a sense of renewal. And also helping others actually spurs on other people to help others. The Huffington Post has it figured out, right? Nehemiah had it figured out. Jesus has it figured out. Huffington Post has it figured out. We'll train you, we'll invest in you. But I just want you to know the invite's here. You know, the invite's here this morning. And we'd love to have you on the team. We'd love for you to be a part of this. There's uh, connection cards in the back of the seat, and there's different opportunities that you can just sign up. Like, yeah, I'd be interested in helping on this. And what we do is we actually shadow. You'll shadow somebody for a couple of weeks. You'll learn what happens in the shadowing. And then you can choose if, yeah, this is the right team for me, or no, this isn't really the right thing for me. There's something else. We'd love to have you on the team. And my invite for you this morning is this, is talk to Jesus about it. No, ask Jesus, is this, is this where you're drawing me? Should I help on hospitality? Should I help on city kids? Because I'm telling you, if you hear from the Lord that this is something that you should be a part of, you'll actually be consistent. So yeah, talk to Jesus about it. So today might be just a really good reminder that God has plans and purposes for your life. And I love that too. That he can totally just remind us, oh yeah, he's doing something, he has plans for my life. But I want you to know, as we say, everybody gets to play. What I mean by that is even our kids get to play. City kids spent some time praying for different things for us as a church last week. And these are some different things that that the Lord spoke to city kids, kids in the room, and they wrote them down for our congregation as a church, for the adults. This is what our kids are learning, that God speaks to them, that he can actually like speak to them and they can understand God. So for our congregation, there are some different things that the kids wrote down that they felt like this is something maybe the Lord wants to heal today. Is maybe you've had wrist problems. You've been dealing with wrists. If that's you, God knows that. Maybe you've had problems with pregnancy. If you're currently walking through chemo or cancer, maybe you're paralyzed this morning. Maybe you've been dealing with bad knees. Maybe you need a breakthrough in your finances. Your finances have just been crushing you. You need a breakthrough in that. The Lord put it on city kid's heart to tell you that he sees you. He knows you. He sees the plans that he has for you. You're not alone. And lastly, if you're a farmer, you've been dealing with, if you've been dealing with a drought, I feel like God wants to bring the rain. He wants to bring the rain. So if there's any of these things that... Uh, that are currently going on with you, what I'd invite you to do is just stand up. And I just would love to just end the message with just praying for you. So if there's anything on that list that applies to you, just invite you to stand up. You can be bold. Very cool. Cool. Would you guys just pray with me? Let's pray together. So Lord, we just uh, we thank you for your heart to just speak through children 
And um, also, Lord, I just pray that for us as a church that we could have a faith like, uh, faith like a child does. You know, they even say some of these things. They seem so big. But Lord, would you just give us faith? Faith like children. So Lord, I just pray for everybody in this room that um, has one of these things going on with their, with their body or with finances or uh, with their farm. If it's somebody with their farm, Lord, we just, we just thank you that you're the great provider. You're the great healer. So Lord, we just step into your um, healing power this morning. So if you're standing up, I just invite you to put out your hands, even in this moment, just right now, and just put out your hands and just just ask Jesus to, to have those things healed, whatever it is that you're dealing with this morning. If you need healing of your knees, just ask him, Jesus, would you just heal my knees? Healing of your wrists, just ask him. The Bible says to ask and you shall receive. And so it just starts with just asking. God, would you just heal, heal me. If you need a breakthrough in your finances, just ask them. Lord, would you, Jesus, would you break through in my finances? Yeah, just ask them. And now I'm just going to invite you to just even have more faith than that. And just actually speak to what is, what is not correct this morning to uh, actually, you know, if your knees are hurting, to actually say, uh, knees be healed in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, knees be healed. No more problems, no more soreness, no more arthritis, no more of that in Jesus' name, to actually speak to that problem. Let's invite you to do that. Take faith and do that. Yes, so come, 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 Jesus. Your presence, God. 